That's the whole point of it, right? Not cooking big dinners and giving gifts and surviving where people sleep and all that kind of stuff. It's actually remembering Jesus coming to this earth, which is good because that's what we like to do every Sunday here at Bassett Street. And that's what we like to do every day is remembering where that Jesus came to this earth for us, to die for us so that we might be saved and we might follow him. Amen? Amen. So... New Year, who's got like a resolution? You don't, I'm not going to make you share it. I know you'll all be nervous that I'm going to say, what is it? But I'm not. Who's got a resolution or some hopes for 2024 or some plans? Yeah? Kind of things. Get fit. That's one of my ones in January. I'm going to try and do that. Some people might be doing like the Bible in a year. Who's going to give that another attempt? <laughs> I think I've tried that for the last 15 years and you get to about March and you go, I'm still on Genesis 3. Um, <laughs> Someone might be learning a new language. Anyone learning a language this year? Thinking about? No? Uh, it might be the type of thing where you're looking for a new job or looking for a job. You might be going for a qualification, going for a university, something like that. Maybe you're praying for God to provide a house for you, a new home, something like that. Maybe you've gone, you've set yourself a goal of, I'm going to worry less this year. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to worry about this, not going to be that. You're going to pray for a changing situation. It's that time of year where we start to do that, and then by the end of January, we're like, oh, oh maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but I, I was at a conference a few months ago, and I saw this picture on uh, the... We were sat in a marina having some breakfast, me and Sarah. And um, it's interesting. I feel like the starts of years are a bit like this, that you can kind of, like a misty morning, and uh, you can sort of start to see what this marina is going to look like, but you can't. But you know it because you can start to see masts and you can start to see the, the pontoon and stuff. But actually, by about lunchtime, the sun's burnt it off and it's all nice and clear and beautiful. I haven't got the picture or the following picture. I'm sorry. But you know what I mean. And I feel like sometimes at the start of years, it can feel a bit like this. You sort of have these hopes, these plans, and you can start to see it making up. And you might go, I'm going to retire this year or something like that. And then by the end of the year, you look back and it's like clear as day. And you're like, ah, this is where we ended up. So it's important at the start of the year as we sort of reflect, and as a church, we're going through this season of prayer to kind of look, kind of, God, where are you leading us? We can start to see the shape of this. We can start to see, we'd love this to happen. It's only when you see it in the clear light of day at the end of the year, you go, wow, look what God has done. So that's part of the reason we're going to be doing this season of prayer, is to really be seeking God to burn away this mist <laughs> so we can see clearly and walk clearly into the things we've got, he's got for us. Um, so we're going to read today a passage from Ezekiel, which is in the Old Testament. If you've got your Bible, please feel free to turn there. So we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're just going to read from verse 33 to 36. Um, it will come up on the screen behind as well, um, if you've got your glasses, and you can read that. Um, but let's read this. So Ezekiel, just to let you know, was a prophet in the Old Testament. So one of the things Ezekiel did is he prophesied to the people of Israel to let them kind of say, this is what God is saying. Um, so he would be he was used and prophesied. Um, so this, when it says, thus says the Lord, Ezekiel would have been stood up in front of people saying, thus says the Lord. So it was like God speaking through Ezekiel. So this is what he said, thus says the Lord. On that day, I will cleanse you from all your iniquities. Iniquities is like wrongdoings or things you do wrong and times you muck up. I will cause the cities to be inhabited and waste places shall be rebuilt. And the land that was desolate shall be tilled. Tilled means like cultivated or worked on like a farming. Think of like farmers at the start of seasons. They start tilling the land to prepare it. And instead 
of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. So Ezekiel's talking about to the people, I am go- God is going to clean all your iniquities. That's what God's saying. He's going to make you clean. And then he's going to cause all the cities where they was desolate to be inhabited by them, waste places to be rebuilt, things that have been knocked down. So much so that it will become like the Garden of Eden. Now, who's heard the story of gar- the Garden of Eden? Hands up, just so I know. Yeah? That's fine. But it's important. The Garden of Eden was how God created the heavens and the earth and perfect. That's how he intended it to be. Full of fruits and trees and kind of beautiful animals and everything in perfect harmony. He's saying that's what the cities are going to be like. The places are going to be wonderful. And then all of the nations around will look on and go, this is amazing. And they go, this couldn't have happened but for God. So that actually that they had laid, nations would look on and see what God had done. Let me pray and then we'll jump into my message for this morning. Lord God, I thank you uh, for this new year, Lord. Thank you for the sunshine. It feel like it rained for the most of 2023, Lord. Pray, Lord, that uh, this year you would uh, burn the mist off quickly, Lord, so we might be able to walk into all that you've got for us, Lord. I pray that you might reveal plans to us and dreams and stirrings, Lord. I pray that you might give us a boldness and a confidence for what lies ahead, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as I share from your word, Lord, your Holy Spirit be speaking through me. I pray that each of us would have soft hearts to hear what you've got to say this morning, Lord. Amen. So I was reading this passage in Ezekiel with one of my friends, and um, I was just sat there going, how cool would it be if this was for London? How cool would this be if this happened around here? Now, if you've lived in this area for long enough, people say, oh, the market isn't what it used to be. Oh, the shops aren't what it used to be. Did you know the first Sainsbury's came from here? All this kind of stuff. And you're like, oh man, this is sad. Then you read the news and you read about London and you read about the stabbing on Primrose Hill and you're like, this can't be right. This can't be right. That London's making the news for stabbings on Primrose Hill. So I read this and I go, God, I would love to see that here. I would love to see that in our neighbourhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our streets. And I love that people to see it going, the only way that's been made possible is by God. That imagine if, I was thinking of these things, what if we saw broken homes and lives restored? What if we saw boarded up shops and community centres spring to life? What if we saw blocks of flats that were known for crime and drugs become known for places of light and hope? What if Queen's Crescent Market was buzzing again with life? What if we saw mosques being places where the gospel is preached? What if coffee shops became places where people read the word of God rather than kind of the neighbourhood news and gossip? What if we saw whole communities actively sharing and loving and caring each other? That's my heart's longing, that we would be part of that as a church, that we'd read Ezekiel 36 and kind of go, wow, Lord, would you do something like that here? Right across where we'll travel to after this. Anyone else? Just me? <laughs> but how? How can we do that? Is the answer right? I'm going to go and cook for that family a meal. I'm going to go and give that person some money, maybe. 
I'm going to start a lunch for the lonely in a community centre. I'm going to start tutoring maths for teenagers. I'm going to bake for my whole office on Monday. I'm going to give up my job and go and meet people. We could say that. They'd be not bad things. That's not the starting point. What do we read at the start of verse 33? The Lord said this. On that day, I will cleanse you from all your inequities. It starts with God cleansing us. Each one of us. And just before Ezekiel had shared that passage, uh, it says this in Ezekiel 25. So we're going a few verses back. So what it says, it says, I will, the Lord said this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Who doesn't want something like that? I want my heart to feel like that. I want the spirit to be flowing through me. I want to have the Holy Spirit to help me walk following the Lord, not doing my own way. Then a couple hundred years later, Paul, who started the, was a big part of the early church, he wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus, uh, which you can read in the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 to 4, there's like this beautiful mirror image from what Ezekiel prophesied and then what Paul is writing to the church. Paul is writing to them and he basically started saying, you were lost causes. You were walking around in your own darkness. You were trying to do your own thing. And then he comes in with this in verse 4. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen? This is the type of thing we want to start the new year with. Reminding ourselves of the grace of God, the goodness of God, that we are saved in spite of ourselves. God has saved us. We have this beautiful thing where we were spiritually dead, but God has made us alive. He's breathed new life into us. He's taken this heart of stone, which is like hard-hearted, stubborn, not open to change, a bit doing our own thing, and given us a heart of flesh, soft, open, moldable, open to criticism, challenge. He's taken us from a kingdom of darkness, where we live in the shadows, where we bottle things up, where we hide, to a kingdom of light, where we can be open, where we can share, where we can walk freely. He's taken us from blindness to sight, from slave, where we're living in this place to please people and trying to earn something. This constant, we just feel stuck. You ever felt stuck in your life? To a place of freedom. Where we're not under human expectations, we come before the Lord. This is what God is saying. He wants us, God has saved us out of this, into this new life. Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says this slightly on. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. I wonder if we could read that together. Here we go. For by grace you have been saved by, through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. Amen. A gift's free. Yes. yes. <laughs> 
Who gave a gift this year and expected something back? <laughs> um, God gives us a free gift of grace. Free gift. Because to be honest, any gift we could give back to God is not going to match up to this gift of grace he gave to us. If you don't know what that gift of grace is, it's that Jesus came to this earth. Jesus came to this earth. He lived a life devoted to living righteously and serving others, to follow God's way. He was killed on the cross. We have an empty cross, which I'll get to in a sec. He was killed on the cross because the people of that time were threatened and angry about what he had to say. His message of turning from living your own way and instead following him and living to please God. So they crucified him. (laughs) And in doing so, he dies. Because we rejected him. But then Jesus, in his mercy, goes, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So Jesus dies. And he's buried. But then, and Nick was sharing, the Spirit of God raises him from the dead, defeating death. There's a giant stone that is rolled away from his tomb. And he offers us this gift of grace. He offers it to us so that we can be saved by simply putting our trust in him and following him. And then as we do that, that promise of the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead comes and lives inside of us and enables us to live a life that follows the Lord. Amen. We can do a few more amens. I like amens. <laughs> I want to encourage us, if you're hearing this today for the first time, or maybe the thousandth time, we can never get bored of God's grace and the mercy that he's shown us. It's important to know that all of us striving, all of us trying to better ourselves, all these resolutions we're putting in place, it's almost just human efforts. But we must remind ourselves that Jesus said, all who call on his name shall be saved. Not those who get themselves together, not those who are successful, not those with money. Who? All of us. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, So this great quote from Hudson Taylor, who said, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. See the difference? It's almost like he is saying he's looking for individuals of faith, but he's actually saying people who are prepared to follow Jesus. So much so that they will follow him. Almost you could have the greatest faith and not follow Jesus and almost that faith isn't quite measuring up. He's looking for people with faith who follow, who follow Jesus. If Jesus walked into this room today and said, come on, we're going, who would go, I've got lunch ready? (laughs) What do you reckon Jesus would say? (laughs) Leave the lunch. What about, oh, 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 oh. That's what Jesus would have been knocking around when he was around 2,000 years ago. He said, come and follow me. And the the disciples, literally, they were fishing and they left their nets. (laughs) It doesn't even say they brought them fish, they sorted it all out, they gave it to whoever they were selling it to, they put the anchor down and tied the boat up nicely. It just says they dropped their nets and followed him. It's a beautiful calling, right? 
We are saved because of Jesus. Because of his grace. And we receive this new identity. There's lots of things that the, the, children, the people who are saved are, are called. And one of the things that as believers we are called is heirs with Christ. Heirs are the people who inherit what is to come. Right? So when my parents die, I am like heir to whatever they might have left. That's just by being their son. I am an heir. Don't worry, they're not royalty or anything like that. I'm not suddenly going to become King Luke or anything like that. But in 2 Timothy, it says this. So Timothy was actually one of Paul's like disciples that Paul was helping. Paul was bringing up this young man, and he was sending him round to other churches. And Timothy, Paul writes this to Timothy. This saying is trustworthy. If we have died with him, him being Jesus... We also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. Paul's writing to Timothy saying, if we're happy to believe we've died with him, we rise again with him. Most of us who are following Jesus would be familiar and comfortable with that. If we endure with him, if we go through trials, we go through hardships, we also reign with him. See the beauty of that? This isn't we're subject to him. We reign with him. We are heirs with Christ. So as believers, we are giving this new purpose of reigning with him. In the passage I was reading from Ephesians, if we go to that from Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says this, for we are his workmanship. That's God's workmanship. We are made by God. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. I definitely at times go, am I walking in what God wants for me? Am I just, or am I just doing what Luke wants? I don't know if you feel that sometimes, you're going, am I really doing what God wants? Just sort of going about, doing your own thing. I've been reading this book as we came into the season of prayer. I was like, I need a good book on prayer. So I found this book called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. I'm hoping to stay on the prayer bit a lot and then I'll get to fasting later. But the writer Derek Prince writes this. He goes, if at times our position with Christ on the throne seems remote or unreal, the reason is simple. We have not received the revelation which the Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, makes available to us. Without this revelation, we can neither understand nor enjoy the benefits of our heavenly citizenship. Instead of reigning as kings, we find ourselves toiling as slaves. I haven't got any further in this book, and I cited it a few weeks ago. Just reading this little bit over. Without the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We can neither understand or benefit from this beautiful thing that we are heavenly citizens. And instead of reigning as kings, we end up toiling as slaves. Whoever feels like, I'm doing all this stuff, I'm doing all this, Lord, please, please. He's going, come on, let's do it together. We're not called to toil as slaves. To reign. How's that feel? I found it challenging thinking about my workplace. I often feel like I'm grinding, I'm grinding, I'm grinding. Gee. How much different if I go in as a heavenly citizen, bringing the kingdom of heaven there? 
I don't want to feel like I'm toiling as a slave. Even as one of the church leaders here, you can sometimes feel like, oh, we've got to get the chairs just right. Me, Nick, and Bob will talk about the chairs and how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? And you're like, we don't want to toil as slaves. We're heirs with Christ. What does it look like to bring God's kingdom? What would it look like if each of us had a deeper revelation of how this gift of grace we have from Jesus is? That gives us a boldness. I see it in my children. They have such confidence to the point that it's sometimes annoying with me and my wife. Uh, but you're just like, fair enough. If you're four and seven, I've got that much boldness. I'm hoping that we're creating an environment for that boldness. How often as believers do we kind of lack boldness because we're not secure in who we are? Like part of the reason my children are confident is because they feel, oh, I can do it, I can do it. And you're like, but God wants that for each of us. So it's a boldness and courage through the Holy Spirit. As we seek this deeper revelation of what God has done for us, through his word, got to be in his word. My Bible's looking a bit dog-eared now with lots of different things, but that's a good sign. If you've got a dog-eared Bible, that's good. That means you're in it, you're in it, you're in it. That's good. We seek is through his word, through prayer. The reason we're praying is for a deeper revelation of God in our lives. Holy Spirit, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help us? And through fellowship, through being with one another. So many little bits of revelation and understanding of who God is for me come through conversations with people and you go, never saw it like that. You've brought it to life in a whole new way that I haven't appreciated in years. I think as we search this deeper revelation, we will find the Holy Spirit leading us in boldness to all that God has called us. That rather than feeling like we're toiling as slaves, we'll feel like we're reigning with Christ. Which in turn will see us playing a part in the renewal of everything for God's glory. That actually those things, those what-if statements I read at the start, they could well come true. But it's pointless if it's without the Holy Spirit, without God's leading, without God guiding us. And for me personally, and for us as a church, I believe that God has a plan to restore everything to how it was originally intended. I believe it because I read it in the scriptures, that one day God will make all things new. I believe God has plans and purposes for each one of us in this room. I believe that because I read it in the scriptures. I believe that God will equip each and every one of us through his Holy Spirit for all the good works he is calling us to. I believe it because I read it in the scriptures. I believe God is looking for men and women who are seeking him to lead them and guide them in everyday life and are ready to follow him wherever he he may call them. I believe that because I read it in the scriptures. I want to close with this little story for which we were walking in the woods as a family uh, a few days ago. And uh, it's a place that my wife and I, we grew up, so we sort of walked around there all the time. And there's this beautiful little lake with like waterfalls and we knew our son would love it we thought oh this will be a fun one just get him there get him there and the whole walk he's sort of taking his time doing his own thing jumping in puddles picking up sticks which is lovely but if you've got young kids you sort of know there's a limit (laughs) but he's having a good time but I'm constantly sort of like walking on saying come on come on keep following me keep following me there's something you're going to love. You're going to love. You're going to love. Keep coming. Keep coming. He's loving it. Absolutely loving it. 
He didn't really understand. He was in his own world. He was missing what I, as his dad, was trying to take him to where he was loved. And then we get to that place, and unfortunately, the rest of the group all want to go home for lunch because it's taken so long to get around. So he doesn't get to fully enjoy it. Gets to throw a few stones in or whatever. But I guess I just felt God highlighting to me that how often am I sort of doing my own thing? Missing that God is going, hey, hey, come, 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 come. There's something amazing over here. There's something amazing for you to follow. And so often we're a bit head down. It's not that we're doing anything fundamentally wrong. My son was doing nothing wrong, but he was missing what I was trying to call him into. And it feels a sense for us that this year, what we don't want to do is kind of get to December and go, did we miss something? Did we miss something? How much more if we walk boldly through these next few weeks as a season of prayer going, God, would you lead us? God, would you guide us? God, would you show me if there's some changes I need to make, if there's some things I need to do? God, would you call me to who I need to speak to? That sense of going, God, I don't want to just be jumping in the puddles and picking up sticks. I want to lead to, you, lead, you to lead me to what you have. Because if we believe that all of the Bible is, is that God created good works for us to walk into, but not so we toil, it's not just get these things done, it's actually be led by God. So we've got some time. I purposely tried to do a bit of a shorter one so we could seek God together at the start of the year. Because I think so much we can talk and talk and talk and you can go, I've had enough of that one. But actually to pray and to spend some time seeking God together could be really important. Um, so I wonder if the band might be able to, I really I didn't tell you this, Drew. Um, we can just not do a specific song, but if we can just go with something, that would be amazing. And what I'd love us to do for a kind of, just a few minutes now, is just to, if you're up for it, come before God and say, God, where do you want to lead me this year? Is there anything, there might be dreams and desires and things that God has spoken from years ago that have just been buried. It might be, you just say, God, is I don't want to miss anything you've got for me this year. For us as a church, I don't want to miss what you've got for us. I don't want to be so focused on what I can see lie ahead. I miss what you've got for us. So I wonder if we might be able to stand, because it just helps us shift our posture a little bit.